Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. The presence of God is here and I felt the Holy Spirit say I want to speak to everyone personally tonight. How awesome it when someone calls your name. I'm going to talk about Gideon. I started this morning. The angel came and said, Gideon, rise up, mighty warrior. He says, well, you got the wrong guy. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm a full of fear. I felt the Holy Spirit say, many people are going to start to hear him calling you by name and calling you forward and up and into freedom. And you know, peace is not the absence of noise or activity. It's a place of rest and calmness and trust in your soul. So as we want peace and we think, I need peace, so we've got to get rid of all the noise and all the activity and just hide in a cave and just get peace or sit down on the beach and get peace. That can be a place of peace. But life's too complicated to find that most of the time. But we can live in a place of peace in the midst of all the activity and you can hear his voice. I'm amazed that a mother, there can be a, a whole room of activity and they will hear their child cry in the distance above all the other noise and we think what was it where are you going didn't you hear the baby cry nope but they hear it and God is tuning our ears to hear his voice and I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to do something a little bit different tonight before I preach I want to pray for all of those whose name starts with J it might be a Joel a, a Jamie Uh, Jasmine, anyone whose name starts with J, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit just nudged you and said, you need to pray, offer to pray for anyone whose name starts with J. I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Some of you will just hear a word of God, either when we pray or as I start to preach tonight. It's like God is calling you to follow after Him. Don't be afraid, ashamed, or embarrassed of Jesus. And some of you have been crying out saying, God, I really want to know that you're real. I want to know what my purpose in life is. For some of you, you've been busy but not sure where you fit. But I feel the Holy Spirit just calling you clearly and saying, I know your name. I know your heart. And I love you. And tonight, even by God giving me this word of people with the name of Jay, it's just like he's clearly saying, hey, I'm really working on your life and your behalf. Just just open your ears to hear tonight the Holy Spirit. Just some of the team come and help us right now. The Holy Spirit's here. I'm just going to pray. Just just, just reach out in your heart. Just, just let God touch your heart. Right? Lord, I thank you for touching all of us tonight, not just those whose name starts with J. But Lord, you've just chosen in your grace to, to speak to their hearts tonight. And I pray you'd speak to all of our hearts because you love us all unconditionally. And Lord, you care for us all amazingly. And Lord, we would not keep you at a distance, but we would just open our souls for your presence to overflow us. I pray you'd speak to every heart, every life. Lord, for some that have just been so busy, I've been searching for your voice. Lord, open their ears this week that the word would just come alive. That hear your voice in creation. 
They would hear your voice through the scriptures. They would hear your voice through the worship music. They would hear your voice through other believers that would just share a word of hope and life. And you've come to heal the broken heart and set the captives free. Some of you are carrying a really heavy heart because a close relationship has broken down or looks like it's going to break down and your heart is so heavy. But I want you to hear the voice of Jesus that I will heal your heart. You can't make someone else do something, but you can have him heal your heart. So you can trust and release that person into the kingdom of God and he will heal your heart. I release hope. I release hope over every soul right now. In Jesus' awesome name. Hallelujah. Thanks for, thanks for those responding with the name of Jay. Let's give the Lord a hand for his blessing. Wow. Thanks, team. Let's take our seats. Wow. Well, we were at Planet Shakers Conference. What an amazing time. One of the guest speakers there, Sammy Rodriguez, he was like a machine gun. When he walked onto that platform, it was like this, this word of God just poured out of him. He spoke at about 500 words a minute. And they weren't all simple little words. They were great, powerful words describing God's grace and anointing. But it was just life poured out of him. And he preached um, a couple of different messages around the life of Gideon, but only took small sections of it. And God spoke to him and said, you need to teach on the life of Gideon. So I started this morning, I'll do a quick summary, and then we'll pick it up and go some more. So if you weren't here um, this morning, you can uh, jump onto our uh, website and get the uh, podcast. But uh, in Judges 6.11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to the Jewish, the Abrazite, with a son, Gibeon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the land hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength of you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. You've got to realize the background Israel was in a terrible situation. They, they were growing their crops and the Midianites and the other ites and the Vegemites and whoever else came. They used to regularly come and raid those people and it was at harvest time. They would steal all their food. They would burn up the rest of their crops. They'd steal their donkeys and their camels and their sheep and their animals. And they started to cry out and say, God, help us. Now, part of the problem was they'd been rebellious and they'd built all these idols and worshipped false gods. So it was like God allowed the Midianites to come and harass them for a while. Then they cried out for deliverance. And God heard their cry and he picked out Gideon and says, you're going to be one of the leaders that's going to deliver your people. And Gideon said, me, I'm intimidated, I'm terrified, I'm afraid. He was threshing the grain in a wine press instead of out in the open. 
And when you thresh grain in the old days, before they had all the uh, um, machines, they would beat the grain and all the uh, husk and dust and everything would fly in the air and the grain would fall to the ground on a mat or a rug and then they could collect the grain. It's a very dirty, dusty job. I remember I worked for my, uh, my cousins and uncles and they had a farm and they did some hammer milling where they crush up all the hay and the grain. It was out in the open and I still come back with all this stuff all over my face. I looked like I had white powder and dust all over me, all through my clothes. took me days to get it out of me and that was out in the open. These guys were doing it. So he was covered, he couldn't see properly. And the angel Lord shows up and says, Gideon, rise up, you mighty man of valor. And he says, well, that's, you've got the wrong guy. I'm terrified. I'm not a mighty man of valor. And so we see the journey where God starts to interact with him and call him. And so first of all, God came and speaks to our identity. He will come and call you by name. He will call you by name and say, rise up, man or woman of God. I've redeemed you. I love you. I've got a purpose for your life. You don't have to cruise through life feeling beaten up and intimidated by life and other people and the circumstances. He said, I will come and bring purpose for your life. And so Gideon had all the excuses. If, why, where, but. Often we see ourselves as a failure or struggling or a victim. But God sees as a champion, a winner, blessed and overflowing with life. You are a son or a daughter of God. You're a new creation in Christ. You're an overcomer. You're being transformed. You are God's treasured possession. You're a champion. Let me tell you, I've watched parents who call their kids champions and often those kids grow up to be champions. Parents who call their kids no-hopers and, and you're a failure and you're always making mistakes and, and you're no better than your, your, your other relatives. Those kids struggle with their identity. God comes and says, you're a champion. You're my son and my daughter. I've put purpose and destiny in your soul. That's how he speaks to us. But we are so conditioned by the lies of the enemy and by the uh, wrong images of this world that we get it all distorted. When God starts to speak to us like Gideon, he thinks he's in trouble. He says, no, don't be afraid. God comes to speak to us to give us a purpose. And we think, oh, we got all the excuses. If, why, but, when, how, just like Gideon. But God doesn't give up on him, just keeps on going and draws him. So he gives him identity. And when we're singing that song before, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Father God helps give you identity. A father in the natural helps give identity to people's lives. Mothers have a great gift of nurture and care and support and compassion and all of those amazing gifts, one of the gifts, and fathers sometimes don't have as many gifts as a mother, but they have one really powerful gift, and that's the ability to give identity and strength. And all humanity looks for a father's approval and that blessing to be released over their life. How many of us have searched for that all of our lives? Some of us haven't had good natural fathers or that they've been distant emotionally or they haven't even been there or they've been a terrible example. There's a cry within our heart, but when you get to know God the Father through Jesus, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So all of us have a cry for a Father's blessing and acceptance. 
That's why when Jesus rose up at the water of baptism, the Father from heaven spoke and said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. How awesome it is to know the Father's blessing over our lives. Some of us don't know that. We haven't experienced naturally, but I want to tell you, the Father God, through Jesus, wants to speak that over your life. For some of you, you're going to hear that in the coming days and weeks over your soul in whatever way God will knows how to reach that to your heart. And if you do know that, extend that to others. Be that blessing to others by His Spirit. So He came and spoke to His identity and He had to work through that whole process. And the great I Am comes and speaks and helps us find our identity. Nextly, next thing He comes in verse 14. God ignores all of His excuses. You notice that? We can have a thousand reasons why we can't do something. God sometimes just ignores them. He moves on to the next part in verse 14. And he says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon's saying, Didn't you hear me, God? I can't do it. He says, I'm sending you. And I'm going to and go in your strength, by the way. Gideon's saying, I don't have any strength. God says, Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And so the resources and the strength that God spoke to him about. And often we think, well, we don't have much. And God says, I've given you everything in Christ. I've given you everything. I fill you with the Holy Spirit. I've given you hope and peace and joy and strength and unlimited power of God that can flow through you. One of the words for power is dynamite. It comes from dunamis, which is the word we get dynamite from. God says, you've got the dynamite of the Holy Spirit in your life. you just got to learn to activate it and, and use it. You've got the power of prayer where you can call God into any situation. You've got the power of the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name. And we get intimidated by that. Let me tell you, you can talk about God and people will think that's nice. But as soon as you start talking about Jesus, the atmosphere changes. It just changes. It really, really does. I never forgot the story. I've shared it before, but it still burns in my heart of a pastor's wife on the Gold Coast many years ago. Pastor Steve Whiting and his wife Jeanette. And she worked in this shoe store when she was only a young Christian. And uh, some of the ladies in that store, they used to swear like troopers, worse than the guys on the building site. For whatever reason, they used to swear. And when they found out she was a Christian, they would deliberately swear to make her be intimidated. Until one day... The Spirit of God says, you don't have to put up with this. And so what God gave her a plan. And she said to him, the next time you deliberately use the name of the Lord in vain, I'm going to speak out at the top of my voice and start praising Jesus for who he is and all of the things that he's done in my life. Well, guess what? They only ever did it once. And she just lifted up the name of Jesus and he stopped no more swearing ever happened in that work site anymore in that shop anymore because when you speak the name of Jesus in honor it cuts through all the darkness and it brings a change into the atmosphere because the name of Jesus is above every name and we think we don't have any power let me tell you the name of Jesus will cut through every spirit of darkness because when he rose from the dead it said every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord so don't ever think you don't have any power. And God speaks to identity. And then he says, go in the strength I have given you. Gideon, being true to form and just like all of us or most of us, he comes up with another set of excuses. 
in verse uh, <coughs> 15, he talks about, that can't be true. He says, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Guess what? God didn't answer his excuses again. And by the way, that was totally untrue. Bible historians have studied his family line. He was a prince in that nation and he was meant to be one of the leaders, but he'd put, given up on that because he was so afraid and so intimidated. He was probably crying out for deliverance, but God says, okay, you're the man. So he was so beaten down that he'd lost true perspective in life. You notice some people, they're just beaten down by abuse or intimidation and fear and shame and guilt and failure and they just sort of mope their way through life without any sense of purpose but when people meet Jesus all of a sudden they start to lift their head there's a there's a smile comes on their face there's a sense of purpose comes in their walk and they're not sort of stumbling through life but now they've got a purpose they've got a destiny and God gives them that purpose to get up and go for God so God deals with his identity his resources, and then he reminds him of his destiny and says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. The story goes on. Let's pick it up from where we left it this morning. Judges 6 verse 17. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, he's still doing the ifs. But anyway, he's getting a little bit better. If now, after God's spoken these three amazing promises to his identity, his resources, and his purpose, if now I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. He's still not convinced, or he's still trying to get that confirmation. God's okay when you ask for confirmation, especially when you do it with an, a, with an inquiring heart and not total unbelief. He was, he was getting there. He was on the journey of listening and hearing. He says, give me a sign. Please do, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Remember in those days, they had to bring a, a, an offering, which was a, a lamb or a bird or something that was, the blood was slain. And that was their way of giving thanks to God. It was a burnt offering. Today, thank God we don't have to do all that because Jesus became the perfect Lamb of God, shed His blood on the cross. So now we bring our offering of praise or worship or thanks. Boy, it's a lot cleaner and a lot less messy, hey? Thank God. Thank God I'm a pastor now and not in the Old Testament. So he went away to bring, get his offering. He, God said, I'll wait to return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. Now, that may have taken him half an hour or an hour or more to do this, but that was what they had to go through to respond to God. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And then the angel of the Lord disappeared. A powerful show happened, and the angel disappeared, and Gideon realized this truly is God's angel that's been speaking to me. When Gideon realized, verse 20, that it was the angel of the Lord, he explained, Alas, sovereign Lord, 
I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now remember in the Old Testament, if you had an encounter with an angel or with God himself face to face, you would normally die. It was only God's grace that people didn't die when they had that face-to-face encounter with Almighty God or an angel from God. So he's terrified. Now think, wow, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. But the angel, but the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. What did Gideon do now? So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is peace, or Jehovah Shalom. You've heard about Shalom, meaning peace, Jehovah Shalom. This is one of the first times it's clearly talked about in the Bible. It's there a few times. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abbey Resides. Jehovah Shalom. So after he realized it was God who spoke to him, he then built an altar, which is, in other words, he stopped and started to praise and worship God. And he actually built a physical altar of stones and rocks and timber, whatever it was, and he built it. And the amazing thing is, he built it beside and in front of the altar to Baal, which was idol worship that was right there. I'll talk about that in a moment. Jehovah Shalom. It means the Lord is peace. Peace means, when you look at the original meaning, it means a whole pile of things. These are some of the things that peace really mean. It means wholeness, completed, nothing is missing, and nothing is broken. Wow. Just think about that for a moment. When we say, the peace of the Lord be with you, This is what we're saying to people. It means perfect, restored, and a reward. That's about half of the Strong's Concordance of what the word shalom really means. Gideon was raised in Israel. He understood what this meant. That's why he called it Jehovah, God is peace. It means wholeness, completed, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Wow, just think about that for your life. How awesome would that be that you lived and felt that nothing is missing and nothing is broken? That's the work of the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, that he's doing in your life and mine. He's healing, restoring, strengthening, making us whole so we can share that with others. Perfect, restored, the reward. I started to look at Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Prophetically, Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. And it says, Of the increase of his government there will be no end we live in a very broken world but God is at work by his spirit there is a great move of God beginning to happen right across the nations of the earth and we were really stirred down at conference and one of the guys there 
um, one of the guest speakers, Art Bischoff from South Africa, a white South African guy, got saved many years ago, had a vision of people falling into hell and then had a vision the next night of God resting them and saying, I want you to be one of those that declares Jesus. So he lives this passionate life. And he's in a city of 380,000 people. And his church alone has got 46,000 people in it in a city of 380,000. So well over 10% of that population are in his church alone, apart from the other churches in that city. And he's now started another church in Pretoria and he's got 67,000 people going to those two churches already. They're seeing 1,500 people a week getting saved in those two churches. The power of God is breaking loose across the world. The Spirit of God is moving. Planet Shakers Church, they see 150 people every week coming to Christ in their churches in Melbourne now. And the Spirit of God is moving in grace and power And we're seeing a few come to Christ every week. That's going to increase. God said, stirred my heart. And I shared it this morning. I'll share it again for those who weren't here. A few years ago, I heard Jensen Franklin preach. And he's from Gainesville, Georgia in America. And he's in a city of about 60,000 people. And several years ago, he was sharing, they've got 6,000 in his church alone, which is 10% of the population. Same as Harvey Bay, there's 6,000 in his church. And then there's other churches in the city as well. And God spoke to me and said, you can believe for that. I can do that in Harvey Bay. You can have 10,000, 6,000 in your church and other churches as well. And this week, God stirred me again and says, don't forget the word I spoke to you and God can do it. We're going to see a great move of God in this city and this region. It's beginning to stir. God is moving the things into right places to see it happen. He's growing our hearts. He's growing our spirits. The figures you saw of generosity, God's going to multiply that and financial release. He's going to multiply people moving in the power and the gifts and the love of the Spirit of God. He's going to multiply our sowing of seeds right across our community so we see a great increasing harvest for His glory. That's what God's going to do. Because you notice the Midianites came at harvest time to try and stop the harvest. The enemy tries to stop your life being fruitful. He tries to stop your life and your family being blessed. He tries to stop churches and get them off track. But let me tell you, the Spirit of God is calling us and we're going to see a great harvest of transformed lives. Let's not be distracted. Let's be like Gideon. Let's arise. Let's arise. And some of us go through this process because we need confirmation and we need encouragement. We need scriptures and prophetic words and we need sermons like this that stir us up again and say, don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for a few hundred people in a city of Harvey Bay. Let's see thousands for the glory of God. And we will see it by His Spirit as we step up and say, yes, Lord, do all that you have purposed for our lives and this city and this community. But we've got to step up and let it flow and let it increase. Hebrews 13 verse 20 says, Now may the God of peace, the source of serenity and spiritual well-being, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood that sealed and ratified the eternal covenant, covenant, equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be. Wow, this is what the Spirit of God's doing in our lives. Accomplishing in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, 
to whom be the glory forever and ever. He's the God of peace that's working in our lives. The devil brings destruction. The spirit of this world tries to rip us off. And we do a pretty good job of harming one another as well. But the Spirit of God says, I'm the God of peace. And I've come to make you whole. So you can be carriers of this good news. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself grant you his peace at all times and in every way. That peace and spiritual well-being that comes to those who walk with him regardless of life's circumstances. Wow, did you get that? Regardless of life's circumstances. We've all got a lot of excuses and reasons why this doesn't apply to us. Gideon had them, but guess what? God didn't even enter into arguing with him. He just went on and kept moving to the next place. He loves us too much to go and, and get us debating with him. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to Him, set apart for His purpose, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting this message? The God of peace comes to bring wholeness, to make everything in right order, nothing broken and nothing damaged. I think, Lord, you do that in our minds and our hearts and our families and our city. And as we have people in a church like that, the people will come running to find out how on earth do you do this? How has your life been set, transformed and set free? That's what it means to be representatives of Jesus Christ. Not perfect, but growing in his grace. Sharing this amazing Jesus because he's the one, the prince of peace. Let's go back to Gideon's story and pick it up just for a few more minutes. Verse 25. So he's done the altar. The angel comes and shows up. That same night, well, now things are picking up pace. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd. Uh-oh. The one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Use the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants. See, he wasn't just a lone guy. He had servants under him. He was a leader. But he said, I'm not a leader because he'd been so beaten down. But he was a leader. Now he started to step up. He had 10 servants came to help him. I like this. And they did as the Lord told them. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather in the daytime. Are they good on you, Gideon? You still obeyed. But even though you did it at night time because you were terrified that you were going to get beaten up and killed. Because you've got to remember, they had been worshipping the false idols of Baal and Asherah, which were the gods of the other nations. And we sort of get, we don't really understand this because we think, well, we don't do idol worship, don't we? An idol is anything that takes the place of Jesus where he should be. Uh Uh-oh. Materialism. Pleasure. Our own philosophies. Selfishness. 
they all can be idols that are taking the place that Jesus should be. So let's not be so pointing the finger at these nasty old Israelites who got into idolatry. Human nature still does idolatry everywhere we turn if we don't have Jesus in the right place. Wow. Now it gets quiet. I'm not saying this to condemn us, but the Holy Spirit wants us to have Jesus in the right place and all the other stuff gets pushed out or torn down. These were people of God, followed God wholeheartedly only centuries before, only maybe decades before, and now they're into worshipping the idols. And his own dad had built the altar to Baal and Asherah. So now Gideon is having to confront the generational sins and curses that have come down to his family. This is big challenge for Gideon. I'm sure he loved and respected his dad. If Gideon had 10 servants, it means his dad was a leader in that city. So now he's got to confront the strongholds of false religion that were over his whole family and town. You say, that's a big call. Well, remember God was raising him up to deliver the whole nation, so he had to learn step by step obedience. He had to do it himself, built the altar of worship. Then he's got to tear down the false altar of worship to idols. And then he's got to chop down the Asherah pole, which was like some big pole with images on it. And if you've been to India or other countries, they have... They worship all sorts of crazy idols. I just can't believe the things they bow down to and, and offer incense and, and give money to these idols that are just so gross. Some of them, they're not even nice looking. But humanity, if you don't worship God, you'll end up worshiping someone or something else. It's just the way we're made. We've got a soul and a spirit that will worship someone or something else. And yet we're called to worship the true and living God. That's where true freedom comes. And that's where many of us have discovered that. And so he was told to build a place of worship in the face of the idols that were from hell. You would think God would say, go and tear that down before you build this up. He said, no, build a place of worship. In other words, build your heart in worship and praise. Build your heart in listening to the voice of God, basing your life on the Word of God. Build that, and then He will give you authority and the Word to start tearing down the wrong things in our community, in our city, and might be around your life or your household. But you've got to be obedient to lift up a voice of praise and worship and build an altar, a place where Jesus is Lord, and then He will start to use you to tear down the strongholds of darkness across our city and our families and our communities. So they did it in obedience, a bit terrified, they did it at night time. But they did it, and I love that. The very wood from the Asherah pole is going to be burnt to fuel your destiny. The very things that the enemies tried to destroy your life with, God turns around and uses them to reach other broken people. The very things that you felt you were weak in, that you were ashamed or guilty, that you were swamped and discouraged and intimidated and robbed from, if you let Jesus come in, the Prince of Peace, He will start to put things in right order 
The very thing that tried to destroy you, God will use your story and your testimony to reach other people that have been destroyed. How awesome is our God? He will use it as fuel for your destiny. He had to build that altar. You have often got to step up in prayer and praise in the face and presence of the giants, the strongholds of darkness you're contending with to overcome. Bring down the presence of God in the presence of hell. You will not be defined by the giant in front of you, but by the shout of praise inside of you. After you know how to build, God will authorize you to tear down that idol worship, those strongholds that try to replace the Lord in our lives, families, and communities. Two altars cannot occupy the same space. It's Jesus or something else. We try to compromise. We have this and this and this and this. Doesn't mean you're weird and crazy Christian. Jesus was the most amazing son of God and son of man and the the people who weren't Christians, they loved to hang around him. The kids loved to hang around him. The only people who didn't like being around him were the religious people who he kept nailing them for their hypocrisy and lies. When you love Jesus, you think, well, I don't want to become so holy and, and so spiritual that no one wants to hang around me. Jesus is your example. Just keep going back to Jesus. Say, Jesus, how do I do this? How do I live such a free Christian life that those that are not yet Christians love to hang around and hear the stories? Follow Jesus and he'll teach you how to do and live that sort of lifestyle. And his presence will so fill you and people will be drawn to hang around you. Let's wrap this up tonight. We need to build. He had to tear down the father's idols to build up generational blessings. Teach your children to praise, to give thanks, to worship, to give, to respect, to serve the Lord in the church and the community and you will have generations of blessing for running after you. Oh, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So Gideon cut down the Asherah pole, burned it on the altar of worship to God. Let's look at a couple more verses and we'll wrap it up and pick it up again next Sunday. Judges 6.28 says, In the morning, when the people of town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. Whoa! Talk about a stir in town now. They asked each other, Who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die. Whoa, how weird can this get? These people were godly people only generations before. Now they are so drifted from God that they were upset that someone had destroyed their false idol and they wanted to kill him. That's what happens when sin distorts reality in your life. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him. Oh, I love this. Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. All of a sudden, Joash now realized what was happening. His son was a much stronger and wiser man of God than he was. 
and he started to defend his own son. It should have been the other way around, but God raised up Gideon to rescue the nation and it had to start in his own family. Let me tell you, your Christianity has to be proven in your own household and family before you can win others to the kingdom of God well. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerob Baal that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. That's what that word means. Wow. So he took on the strongholds of darkness and defeated them, and now he's getting stronger and bolder to take on the Midianites. One more story. 1 Samuel 5, 1 to 4. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, the Ark represented the presence of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. That is a great big idol. The Philistines worshipped Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. This great big stone idol was thrown down on the ground in front of the presence of God. They took Dagon, put him back in his place, but the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord, his head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold, only his body remained. Woo! Do you get this? When the presence of God comes, no stronghold, no God, no idol can stand to the presence of God. It will fall down. It will be broken and destroyed. Now let me tell you, when you let Jesus be Lord of your life, every stronghold that's held you will begin to be broken and his head and hands will be broken off. No one went in and pushed it over. It just the presence of God caused the idol to fall down and bow down to the presence of God. Like the Bible says, every knee shall bow before Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Don't you believe the lies that say you can't be free? That addiction and strongholds and generational curses and abuse and pain, it's been, you've been lied to and said, I can't be free of that. That's not true. The truth is in Jesus we can be free. The Prince of Peace can come and make you whole so there is nothing broken and nothing missing. Wow. Wow. This story just gets more and more exciting. We're going to pick it up next week because we're running out of time. And young adult supper is on. I can hear them saying, well, I'm hungry. And I'm going to pick it up again next Sunday morning and uh, it's probably one or two more messages because we haven't even got through chapter 6 and chapter 7 is where the action really starts to heat up when they start to defeat the Midianites. I just love the word of God because it's so alive. And here's Gideon. Have you identified with Gideon tonight? Maybe you're thinking, wow, I'm like that. Oh, mate, I just don't get my identity. Worship team, come on up. I'm not sure about my identity. Maybe you've got lots of excuses why God's been talking to you about serving Him and living for Him and you think, oh, mate, i just got so much stuff. You don't know my family. Well, look at Gideon's family. God raised him up and dealt with all the idols and strongholds that were over his family. Wow. Wow. And then he had all the excuses. I'm not good enough. He had a distorted perspective of who he was. But the Lord says, Gideon, rise up, mighty warrior. I'm sending you to deliver the nation. Whenever you pray, things change 
But most often, first, you change. Because God will start to change you so that you can help change others. And you become an answer to someone else's prayer. How awesome is that? It's great when God answers prayer, but how awesome is it when God uses you as part of someone else's prayer? Oh, I love that. I love that. We had a gentleman that came here this morning in the first service. Opened his heart to Jesus. I don't know how old he was, probably in his 60s. And as I prayed for him, he looked at me and says, you don't remember me, do you? And I looked at him with my brain sort of scanning through and I said, I don't really do, I don't really recognize you. He said, you visited me and prayed for me several years ago in hospital when I was having a major operation. And he said, I'm here today giving my life to Jesus. I thought, wow, wow. And I don't think I even went to visit him. I visited someone else and he called out as I was walking through the ward and said, can you pray for me as well? I thought, God, just share the name of Jesus. Sow some seeds of kindness. Live a life of truth. And we can be a Gideon to help set people free across our community and our households for his glory. Don't live behind those excuses anymore. Let's stand in his presence. Oh, Jesus. You're so good. Let's just sing this song for a moment. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. 